0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. Guy. the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
1: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13. I should have listened to Judd. I should have just listened to Judd's all game. Who's the winner? Some may say, none of them. But let the games begin.
2: Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. All right. We're live at CHS Field. Hanging out before the St. Paul Saints home opener tonight and the grand opening of the City of Baseball Museum. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app, and we have corrupt Judge Jonathan here to lead us through another cram session where he awards points to the winner as he perceives it of each question. If we're tied at the end of three questions, we go to a trivia-related tiebreaker. What do you got for us, Jonathan Harris?
3: All right, boys, we played the Stephen A. audio yesterday of yes. him melting down after the Knicks didn't get the number one overall pick. So I want your best meltdown that was caused by a sporting event in your lifetime.
1: Like, are you looking for... A meltdown that we've had. Yes. Yes. Wow. I actually, when I applied for this job, one of the pieces of tape that I sent to Phil Mackey was maybe the greatest meltdown that I've ever had on the air, and that's after Terrence Gore of all people went down swinging in the in the wild card playoff game for the Chicago Cubs this year. Terrence Gore who literally has more stolen bases than hits in his life. Terrence Gore, who looks like a 12-year-old boy. Terrence (laughs) Gore, who the only reason he's ever sent to the plate is to look at pitches and hope a pitcher throws four balls at him so he can get on first base, steal second, and put himself in scoring position in a crucial playoff situation, went down swinging at a terrible pitch. A terrible pitch. You can't hit a good pitch. And this dude went chasing. A terrible pitch with the game on the line and struck out when all he was out there to do was look at pitches and steal bases. That's all you were out there for, Terrence Gore. I actually have that. If we could hook up my
2: tablet to this mixing board. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard I heard it. it. We could play it for we, me. We could play this. <laughs> you
4: you cut your co-host off and said, I got something to say here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it, no,
2: you I believe you said, Let me have this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
4: That's right. It was outstanding. You got cut off and you said, no, you guys, let me have this.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I can think of many a Judd meltdown, but what's, what's the, the top one on your mind, Judd? Uh,
4: the top one on my mind is among the many, many meltdowns I've had. I, I got to go back a little bit here. Let's see. Hold on. What time was it? It was this morning. Uh, (laughs) when i when i stopped to do um a morning judd in front of the xl energy center to talk about the abomination that happened last night in my league as the nba and the eastern conference finals are getting off to a great start and basketball fans saying this is fantastic let's talk about the game and i say well no let's talk about the nhl western conference game between the blues and the sharks that went to overtime and was decided on a hand pass in a league that has replay but can't use replay to get that right but what they can use replay for and this is the stupidest thing, is to overturn an offside call that happened five minutes before. So if there was a goal scored, uh, you know, five minutes before... They can stop the whole thing, rewind the clock and say no goal, but it's a hand pass? You can't, you can't overturn that, you idiots? And the more I thought about it, the more PO'd I got. Because if you think about it, how do four human beings on the ice paid very well to watch the game with an intricate eye, not see that the Sharks player swipe the puck with his hand clearly because he couldn't use a stick? How do they think the puck got to Eric Carlson to score that goal? These people are idiots, they're morons, they're <laughs> undefendable, and that's why my league, which I love, absolutely sucks, it's the worst <laughs> member of your family who you defend and defend and defend, and then you finally say, I'm done with the person, and you
1: never talk to them again. You're watching the wrong playoffs, Judd. NBA playoffs are fantastic. I like how this is def- that
4: was my latest into
3: you guys actually, actually giving me. Yeah. Yeah. Rewanting. That Rewanting. was my yeah. latest
4: meltdown. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's embarrassing.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many. I, the, the twins are definitely the thing that gets me the most riled up over the in the mm-hmm. nine years I've been at. Either fifteen hundred ESPN or now Score North. The Twins are definitely the thing that gets me the most riled up, and I think, uh, I think I, if I remember correctly, I had a rant in which I just started like yelling incoherently into the microphone on the <laughs> Mackey and Judd Show, trying to process. It was toward the end of the, the 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 Terry Ryan second run, and we were going back, and it started off looking at the pitching that they've botched over the years and their first round draft picks, but then it devolved into they traded. If you think about it, they basically wound up trading. The last vestige of the Johan Santana trade that mattered was Carlos Gomez. And so, you, so, so I diagrammed the path from <laughs> you went from Johan Santana to Jim Hoey in a series of trades that devolved not only your franchise, but the general manager tenure of Terry Ryan. You traded Johan Santana... For four prospects from the New York Mets in 2007 or 2008, and Carlos Gomez was the centerpiece. All right, you bring him up. You basically run his career into the ground because you kept him up when he should have been down in the minor leagues. You decide, all right, we're sick of this guy swinging and missing. We're going to trade him for J.J. Hardy. And at the time, it looked like, okay, all right, you're going to, like, the Brewers are selling low on Hardy. The Twins are selling low on Gomez. It makes sense. Hardy has a decent season in 2010 with the Minnesota Twins. And instead of waiting for his wrist or doing something proactive for his wrist to get better and just welcoming 30 home runs the next year, which is what wound up happening with Baltimore. You traded him for velocity. Well, you know what we need? We need velocity. Let's go out and get a real gunslinger who can throw fastballs fast. Yeah, that's what we're missing. Not enough of this pitch-to-contact stuff. Let's get a country hardball thrower, Jim Hoey who pitched like five minutes in the big leagues and was an accountant the next year, basically. So that didn't work out. You traded Johan Santana for Jim Hoey, for God's sakes, over a three-year stretch. Minnesota Twins baseball from 2011 through 2017.
3: Man, that really did turn into three. (laughs) Well, you asked for it. (laughs) Yeah, man.
1: You literally asked for it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was amazing. I love all of these. I love that it actually did turn into you guys just... Redoing those rants over the air again instead of just telling me about it, just it sparked that anger again. I love the recency bias in Judd. I love that the the twins pitching because that was just awful back then. But I love that Rami, you put it in a demo that you would yeah. you were just like nope. This I'm comfortable putting this a here. demo
2: that led him to this rerun. Part of, of the reason
3: this I'm, this here. <laughs> I'm here. <Yeah. laughs> so Rami, I'm awarding you Thank that you. point because of the of putting that in your demo. Thank you. So yesterday the Jets unexpectedly fired their general manager. So I want you because the Jets have jumped atop my list of the most dysfunctional NFL franchises, mm. I want your top 3 most dysfunctional sports teams. Can we Ooh. take the Jets?
4: I'm taking the Jets out is that yeah. is, is that correct? I the took the, Jets, thing out to do too. yeah, the Jets out too because yeah. that's too simple. Yep. Okay, currently, right? So so this currently, is this yep. is the current standings. Mine are very simple. NBA. Believe it or not, I've got the Lakers. The Lakers have Ooh, turned I love that. The Lakers that's have true, turned into an Utter embarrassment, and what we thought that uh, Jeannie Bus fired her brother that was going to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. And then think, think
2: about that right there, though. Like,
4: but we, you <laughs> Jeannie Bus had to
2: fire her brother. That's pretty. But, but Phil and I talked about <laughs> that.
3: Thanksgiving's weird
4: on the show, and, and we were like, okay, this will fix it. And then they got magic, and you're like, that that's going to fix it. This thing is a complete. It it is. It's not as bad as the Clippers became because the Clippers were there for so long. But it's bordering on this.
3: They have fans protesting.
4: And yeah, and they should, which is glorious.
2: They should trade LeBron. They should all uh, just they're, admit.
4: They're actually talking about it.
2: Yeah, they should. So they should just, I wouldn't be
4: shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. They're that bad.
2: It'd be hilarious if LeBron wound up with New Orleans, and it was New Orleans that wound up with Zion, LeBron, and Anthony
3: Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating all titles.
4: <laughs> uh, my number two team, dysfunctional-wise, Derek Jeter's Marlins. The Marlins are just a cluster bleep. They have no idea what they're doing. I I think last year was publicly worse, but this is still bad. It's just that they're such a non-factor now. But this is a franchise that's been up and down throughout its tenure, been to what, two World Series, won them, had some pride. I mean, Derek Jeter's big move, like his big, big move, is taking the sculpture in center field and relocating it. And I guess, I guess it weighs like you know just a ton, relocating it outside the stadium because he didn't like the sculpture. Which, by the way, was a big selling point of we've got this stadium and it's Miami and we've got this uh, sculpture. Derek Jeter's Marlins are too. Hold
2: un- on, can I is, can I say that I and I. I have this written down, if you can read my chicken scratch. Marlins, the yeah. Marlins were here, and, and it said, big move, moving the fish tank. Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they reload, and I love it. They relocated outside, like, that's going to fix Marlins baseball. We move the sculpture. That fixes things. Yeah. And then my last one, <clears throat> hockey, the Ottawa Senators, where a year ago you actually had a problem with, with one wife trolling another wife, creating a locker room meltdown on the Internet. And, like, basically going, what, incognito to troll her and thinking that they wouldn't get caught. And then it was Eric Carlson, who's a star defenseman now with the Sharks. It was his wife, and I think she was pregnant and, and had a miscarriage. So, like, this is all – this is not, like, sort of funny and dysfunctional. It's pathetic. I think the the guy who owns – Eugene Melnick is his name. He owns the team. has now said it's like a four-year rebuild that they're going into. And in four years, basically told – the fans, stick with us because in four years, Ottawa Senators hockey is back. So <laughs> I'm going Lakers, Marlins, Ottawa. I will just leave the National Football League out because the Jets are the reason for the question.
2: Yeah. Um, well, the NFL, it's, uh, the Cleveland Browns have always been the answer here. Yep. And they just – people are definitely – People are going to be in for a rude awakening. The, the Browns aren't going to go eleven and five and usurp the Patriots this year. So the Browns might not even make the playoffs. But they're but they're beyond dysfunctional. I mean, they're they're like they've moved past right. being dysfunctional. They've got some good players on the roster. Um, I, I'm gonna. I, I know that they haven't been as dysfunctional lately. But this is a lifetime achievement dysfunctional award for the Detroit Lions. Sure. The Detroit Lions. They've had a franchise quarterback. They've had think about in the division. For years and years, the Vikings and the Bears have been playing quarterback carousel. Neither one of those franchises have been able to find a true... I mean, I know Jay Cutler was a franchise quarterback, but not really. Like He was very mediocre. And for you to not take advantage of some down period... I'm going to put the Detroit Lions on this list, because Judd already took Marlins, so I'm taking the Marlins off mine. All right. The Sacramento Kings are definitely one of the three most dysfunctional franchises. This is a franchise that hasn't been to the postseason... Since 2006, in a sport, much like the Timberwolves, by the way, in a sport in which it's mathematically easier to go to the playoffs than to miss the playoffs. More teams go to the playoffs than miss the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so for you to not stumble your way into at least a 44-win season or something and get to the playoffs, when you're drafting in the lottery every year since 2006 is amazing. And then, and then, when you break through – and have a competitive 39-43 and 43 season in which they were 12 wins better than last year. Their response is to fire everybody. So I find that amazing. The Sacramento Kings. All right. And then uh, number one, I'm going to put the Edmonton Oilers on this list. Because the Edmonton Oilers are another team that has only been to the playoffs one time since 2006. In a sport in which things churn every year. And getting to the playoffs is not that hard mathematically. And they also have had top pick after top pick after top pick. They've got one of the best young players in the NHL, and they can't get to the playoffs. So I'm going to go Oilers, Kings, and uh, since Judd took Marlins, I will put the
1: Detroit Lions on the list. Judd took Marlins, but I'm also going to put the Marlins on my list because it goes even a little bit further than than what Judd said about the Marlins. They, first of all, fleeced their fans for the most expensive stadium in these United States of America, and then by all indications, a lot of those fans weren't really all that pleased with said stadium, and then the owner who fleeced the fans for that tax money sold the team at a huge profit, jettisoned out of town, and apparently, according to some reports, is hiding some of that money yeah. that he made in offshore accounts that Dan Levitard has tried to uh, locate. So, the Marlins are... S- oh, and then Derek Jeter came in and did the whole tear down, rebuild thing, and it looks like Uh, By the looks of the guys around baseball who are really good right now, who were traded from the Florida Marlins, um, they could be contending. They didn't need to tear down and rebuild. They had a team there that was ready to contend. They had the National League MVP on their roster, and they traded him. Can I add one
2: thing to Marlins' dysfunction, too? Okay. They have hands down the single most popular individual fan in all of professional sports right now. Marlins man. Marlins man. <laughs> who Stanley who, who boycotts Marlins games and goes to every other game
1: imaginable. In fact, he was he was behind home plate for a Cubs for a and, Cubs uh, Brewers, Brewers game Sunday on ESPN. At, at Miller Park, right? No, it was at Wrigley. Was it Wrigley Field? Yeah. Okay. In, in his Marlins gear. That's the best yes, part. Like, he boycotts the Marlins he wears he Marlins, Marlins, Marlins gear,
2: but he boycotts <laughs> Marlins games and goes to
1: every other team's ballpark. Yeah. And he's the most famous fan in all of America right now. My number two dysfunctional team, um, I'm going to stay in the NFL and I'm going to stay in New York and say the New York Giants because Dave Gettleman has no idea what's going on. This is the guy who signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a record-breaking contract, then got up at a podium and said, we didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. to trade Odell Beckham Jr., and then went ahead and traded Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> just days later, yeah. and also was asked at a podium about the uh, the lack of value for running backs in the NFL after he used a second-round pick on Saquon Barkley, and basically said he doesn't believe in analytics. It's a bunch of guys who are just in the game to devalue running backs. That's really his theory, and then proceeded to do a- An air keyboard to show what analytics guys do. That was his response. And then the third dysfunctional team, we've all had NBA teams. No NBA team is as dysfunctional as my Chicago Bulls. This is a squad that, since Michael Jordan left, first of all, they tried to go with the Twin Towers approach of drafting Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Didn't work. They got the first pick when God Elton Brand. That didn't work. The only good thing that they've done is Derrick Rose, and that fell in their lap on a 1.7% chance that they could win the NBA lottery that year. Gar Foreman and John Paxson have gone through coach after coach after coach, and for some reason keep getting to hire new coaches and every time they hire a new coach that relationship goes bad and it's not like oh he wasn't a good coach so we had to fire him it's like everybody hates each other because this organization is such a dumpster fire so now (laughs) we have to fire this coach to the point now where you've had to settle on jim boylan who no bulls fan in the history of bulls fans wanted to be the head coach of that franchise that is the most dysfunctional organization maybe in all of sports certainly in the nba
3: I'm gonna go Judd here because he mentioned the Lakers. They're atop my list of most dysfunctional teams right now. Just the mass, just what they're doing to that great franchise, the once great franchise.
2: Uh, so Judd, Judd has a point. A point. Yep. Rami has a point. We're gonna do the third question on the other side here, and uh, also need to. So Judd ranted in his new social media video series, Morning Judd. He ranted about something wild related that uh, I need to dig a little bit deeper on. But All right, uh, we're here at CHS Field for another. Uh, 40 minutes or so. Mackie and Jeb with Rob. Hey
1: everyone, it's Matthew Collar. You can find my new show, Score North Live, every day from 2 to 4 p.m. on the all-new Score North on 1500 and on demand at scorenorth.com. In addition to Vikings Talk, we break down the most important and pressing subjects like the responses to Kirk Cousins tweets. I would like that. And which Fast and the Furious movie is the best. Those types of things. Yeah. It's Score North Live with me, Matthew Collar, available on scorenorth.com and anywhere where you find your favorite podcasts. Mackie and Judd with Rami out here at CHS Field, home of the St. Saint Paul Saints, who uh, get their season started tonight. With the Milwaukee Milkmen coming to town. 7.05 first pitch from CHS Field. For tickets and all things St. Paul-related, St. Paul Saints-related, visit saintsbaseball.com. We're in the midst of a cram session right now where uh, Jonathan asks us questions and randomly awards points arbitrarily. Uh, So far, Judd has a point for uh, his take on the three most dysfunctional franchises in all of sports, and I have a uh, point for my rant about Terrence Gore, who for some reason was swinging at baseballs last year in the one-game wild card playoff when all he was there to do was look at baseballs, take a walk, and steal a base.
3: <laughs> so, question three. John Wick 3 comes out this weekend. It features one of Judd's favorite actors, Keanu Reeves. He's mm-hmm. a deadly assassin named John Wick.
2: Can, can, can I say, John Wick movies on airplanes? Like, I'm not going to go to a theater and see a John you Wick should. movie. You should. Really? Yes. yes. I loved watching those John Wick movies. Just kill two hours of,
3: John well, Wick, kill everyone know, in the right movie and then
2: theater. kill two hours on an yeah. airplane? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's not a whole a lot of plot. It's just no, plots. Keanu Reeves please, running plot. around. When Keanu
3: Reeves plot. is he's a, literally killing everybody. It's, he's a great it's, actor. It's, it's,
2: it's like if a Jason Bourne movie had no plot and had ten
1: times the action. You know, yeah. he is, he's really, like, special forces level trained. Yeah.
3: There's videos, yeah. There's videos of on, on the internet of him training to do the stuff that he does with like the guns and everything, and he's legit really stinking good at it. There's
4: nothing he can't do. It's true. Great actor. Tough guy.
3: Yeah,
1: you let that hang out there a little too long, man. I could not hold back the laughter. There's nothing he can't do. I know. So, great, great
2: husband. I...
4: <laughs> I read, I I read something Maybe. a couple of days ago that said he's a really good guy. Like Keanu Reeves is a superhuman being, just
2: a great human, and I human. buy,
4: and I buy
3: that, I believe it. So in the movie, Jack, what, do do, what do you
4: do, Jonathan?
3: <laughs> in the movie, Keanu fights a very large assassin who was played by 76ers big man Boban Marjanovic. Boban is seven foot three, and reportedly kicked the stunt double about fifteen feet, according to one of the reports on set. Also, Aaron Rodgers appeared in Game of Thrones this last weekend, so I want your favorite athlete cameo as an actor.
2: Well, hmm. Um... I I'm gonna throw this way back, ten years before I was born, but I think the greatest athlete cameo in any movie ever was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in oh, Airplane. Oh, that
1: was mine. That's really yes. It's hilarious. Like it's he's great,
2: and it's spoiler alert if you haven't seen Airplane from forty years ago. <laughs> I I'm sorry,
4: it. I but, got it right here. But, oh, you do? Okay, oh, let's,
2: okay, can we do a hold the di- on the dialogue? I'll, I'll be I'll be Joey, and you'll be so Mur- Murdoch. He's playing he's playing a pilot named Murdoch. <laughs> And Joey is this little kid. We're going to do this is like Fast and the Furious Kids. Fridays right here, okay? So I'll be Joey, you be Murdoch.
4: Okay, where are you starting then? Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry son, but you must be confused. Have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? No, he's not Oh, no, nah, he's not bothering anyone. But but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airplane pilot.
2: I think you're the greatest. But my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says a lot of times you don't even run down the court and that you don't even really try except during the playoffs.
4: And this is the best. The hell I don't. And he grabs the kid and brings him. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, kid, I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. (laughs)
2: And then later, like, when when the pilots are, like, passed out, and they're dragging him out from the the, the cockpit, he's he's dressed as a Laker from the waist down with, like, his short shorts and (laughs) kneecocks. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! So, all right, so Judd and I just went in on the same one there, I guess.
1: So you guys are both saying "cream." Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it, it, it's ridiculous. That's a really good one. Um, oh, God. Part of me wants to say O.J. Simpson in The Naked Gun, but I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. <laughs> yeah, probably should. And say Keith Hernandez on Seinfeld. That was an amazing cameo by Keith Hernandez on Seinfeld. First of all, oh. he's dating Elaine, which even though Jerry wasn't dating Elaine and he wasn't jealous that Keith Hernandez was, he was jealous that Elaine was friends with Keith Hernandez. Yeah. That was his beef with it. And then they had the old, whole uh, incident of Newman and Kramer thinking that Keith Hernandez spit on them when they were yeah. leaving a Mets game one time and they heckled him while he was in the bullpen. And they basically remaked the a film yes. to prove that it was Roger McDowell who indeed spit on Kramer and Newman and caused their head to go <laughs> and back, back to the and the left, to the left, uh, back, back. And to the left, so I say Keith Hernandez, the greatest athlete cameo on a TV show or movie ever.
3: I'm going to award the first ever double points here to to Judd and Phil here. So Judd, you win today. <laughs> I love that you guys actually pulled the Fast and Furious Friday. Well, I had to Called up because it was I. I was now
4: I'm so old. I was I saw Airplane in the theater. <laughs> my my best friend's really? dad you took were like, us you know, to nine it. Nine years old. I was like, and yeah, he took us to it, and it was. If you're 10 years old, I've never laughed so hard. Dude, it is. The I, loading and unloading zone thing, the commentary <laughs> where they go back, back and, and forth. forth yeah.
2: So I tried. I, I, I'm sort of an old soul when it comes to music and movies. And I remember in high school, there was a, I, I watched that movie with my family oh, like great. 10 times and just thought, oh, my God, this is this is the funniest movie it's of all of time. It's one of the funniest movies ever. It's And it and it, it doesn't hold up like no. from a political correctness standpoint, but from a laugh standpoint, it definitely holds up. But... I tried to show that movie to a group of my high school friends one time, and they like almost befriended. They almost unfriended me. Really? Like, they didn't. They didn't laugh the entire I, time. Find I'm, new friends. Nothing. I, well, I would I'm not friend with them friends. anymore. Yeah, but yeah. It's good. All of that <laughs> stuff, and
4: that led into the Naked Gun stuff. All of that is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Naked Gun movies were so good.
2: So good. Leslie Nielsen's fantastic. Yeah, we need umpires to do the moonwalk and, and the show Raiders gr- up. And once in an, a
4: while. An Airplane is made even better if you go back to the 70s and watch those old George Kennedy airplane films yeah, oh which yeah. are just Drama. all which are just all terrible yeah. but the, the amount of the, stuff they spoofed off the of that the towering
2: inferno too the movie oh, with yeah. the, the skyscraper
4: oh, you, that's one of my favorites
2: hey in our we have a, a few minutes left here before we got to squeeze in a break and uh, talk to mike veck that's going to be a ton of fun mike veck is one of the most creative uh, marketing and sports minds and uh, he's done such a great job with the St. Paul Saints here at CHS Field but Judd, you stopped by this morning yeah. just to do a morning Judd rant on Score our Twitter, the Minnesota Wild there's a story that came out the Minnesota Wild—they uh, just hired an analytics department like a year or two ago, and now they're like getting rid of their analytics people and hiring new analytics people. Like, yeah. what is happening right now at the XL Energy? Center?
4: Uh, well, be- because their GM Paul Fenton is so tight-lipped, we really aren't quite sure. But they had a—they—they they had um, a man and a woman that they hired who ran one of the um, one of those websites. websites. and they got him. Sh- uh, Chuck Fletcher got him to shut it down and hired them. Fenton fired the guy. I don't know if he fired both of them, but Fenton definitely. Uh, I believe his contract was up, so he fired him at the end of this season. They also, I believe, fired their cat person and replaced him with a guy from Arizona. But I don't know what I have heard, and so I so dysfunctional. Here is what I can't decide, and it's all behind the scenes right now, so it's hard to parcel out. I don't know how into the analytics side of things Paul Fenton is. He's more of an old-school type of guy. That's
2: That never bodes well no, in I know. 2019. I, I told, like you're I going to get fired, and your team's going to be terrible. I
4: completely agree. And I might be wrong because he's so tight-lipped, we're not really being told. But I have just heard scuttlebutt that he is not. Ex- he does not exactly embrace the analytics side of things. But I'm with you. If you really don't, you're just... you. Yeah. It's not that you have to embrace the entire thing, but I think you at least have to have a pretty good working knowledge of how the smart teams are working. And, I, and so
2: what I'm about to say, I'm going to detach it from Paul Fenton because we don't know 100% what his stance is because he is tight-lipped. But if you are a general manager in any sport, I don't care if it's soccer, hockey, baseball, football, if you still think – well, the game isn't played on a spreadsheet. Yeah. It's not a spreadsheet standing there at third base. Right, but a spreadsheet can help your third baseman get better, can help your team get better. So I would, I would like to think A spreadsheet that, will tell you to put your third baseman somewhere else. Right, right. Where the ball's actually going <laughs> no, to right. be hit.
1: Right, right. That's exactly By the way, right. If, yeah,
2: if, if you're still out on analytics and how analytics help sports teams perform at a, at a higher level, you haven't watched a Twins game this season. Yeah. Period. So hopefully the Minnesota Wild are not of the opposite mindset, I guess, is what I'm saying.
1: I don't understand people who are anti-analytic. Like, you're basically anti-information. You're yes. anti-being more well, informed and educated.
4: But I think it scares yes. them. Yes. I, I think it scares people, and I think that they're, in their mind, it's all about, and we've seen this, right? It's all about scouting and development. I'll scout them and develop them myself. Well, okay, that's a great thought, and, and 20 years ago that obviously probably worked. It doesn't work now.
2: Yeah cuz cuz there's you're not using all the information available. If you it, I mean it we're right. going to scout and develop. Right. That's what that's what the Astros are doing too, but with more and better information. Yeah. And right. then
4: and then they're also taking the, the people that they scout and attempt to develop and putting them in the ultimate position to succeed where if you're just like I play old school, okay, right. then and, you don't do it the right way.
2: And think about hockey for instance too. There's such a thin margin in hockey. You know, we're talking about a race to three goals in a game where there are sometimes, if you count shots on goal and total shots that are missed and blocked, we're, we're talking about teams taking 60 or 70 shots in a game, and you're looking to squeeze out an extra goal every other game mm-hmm. over the course of a season to get from being out of the playoffs to in the playoffs or an 8 seed to a 1 seed. And that's not done by just being grittier right. necessarily. It's It's done through tactical changes and getting... An extra ten percent out of a player or out of a line, right, so not to say that I know absolutely. anything about no, how to but do that in hockey, but
4: <laughs> no but but that's that's true in sports now, just across the board. I think it's true in sports that there are ways to find uh, deficiencies and change those and if you can get so if if you can get your fourth line to perform better because of that, your odds of being successful are greater yeah. and it might be a really small thing, but it still counts yeah it's like baseball i mean baseball baseball. The second base position now i I heard this conversation this morning, and it 's absolutely true. the second base position, as far as we knew it, is largely dead now because they 're taking these guys and they 're putting them at shortstop, and then they 're moving them back and forth and they 're doing this and they 're basically saying don't worry about the range of my of my second baseman or shortstop at points or third baseman because yeah. i 'll put him where the ball's going to be yeah so think about that
1: for a second, also you know? if you only have to cover from you know shortstop to first base rather than all the way around the diamond. Everybody's closer together, so that's less ground that a quote-unquote third baseman has to cover when you line him up basically at second base. Yeah. Mackie and Judd with Rami
2: solving all of the problems. and you, do. Doing all of the analytics and math here at CHS Field where uh, the milkmen are taking batting practice. The with Milwaukee a real milkman milkmen. on the
4: field, and he just had a jug of milk.
2: Did he just pour that all over his body?
4: Or I don't what, what know what he was doing there? exactly. It's very, very odd, but they, this guy is they br- walking around.
1: Yeah, they brought their milkman mascot. Is what I didn't even here. see him until just now when you pointed him I out. I tweeted a picture. Yeah, he's got, he's he got a, a big milk jug. jug of milk.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Jonathan tells me that milkmen are still a thing. I did not know
1: that in, his, that. in his part, in his neck of the woods, as he put it. Which I, I'm guessing is really a neck of the woods. Jonathan, do you drive a DeLorean back home every single day? <laughs> Jonathan drives home to the
2: 1950s every the day. He lives
4: in Texas, okay? Let's start, let's sure, start with that yeah. one.
2: Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to come back, and we're going to talk with the owner of the St. Saint Paul Saints, which is definitely going to lead to some amazing stories and some fun conversation. Mike Vec joins the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show when we come back here. But TCL is the studio sponsor for us. We're not out and about. We're in the TCL shows doing live radio, podcasts, videos. We've got TCL TVs all over the place inside uh, inside our studio area. And uh, there's a reason why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. you got to see these new award-winning TCL TVs that just hit stores in 2019 with superior 4K picture quality. Dolby Vision, greater contrast, brighter, more accurate colors, Lifelike images from the brightest of brights to the darkest of darks. I love, sometimes I'll just go on and, and do searches. You know, TCL TVs, what are people saying about TCL TVs? Is it the same thing they were saying a year ago when we were talking about TCL TVs? And these are direct quotes from reviews about TCL TVs. Truly excellent image quality and the best smart TV system on the market produces images with more detailed brightness and color than most TVs that cost hundreds more. TCL America's fastest growing TV brand in TCLUSA.com. Yes, thank you, Lindsey Brown. One more segment here of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We've been hanging out since noon. Well not not us alone. That would be way too much Mackie and Jeb with way Rami. Too since much. Noon. Way way too like, much. Like some say two hours of Mackie and Jeb with Rami is probably too much. It's pushing it. But uh, we tricked Mike back into letting us come here and hang out all day and watch the, the watch the stadium come to life. So, uh, home opener tonight, and you guys uh, we talked about earlier. The city of baseball museum is open with a red carpet tonight, so sh- should be fun tonight, Mike.
0: Yeah, I know what you're thinking in your head. You're not used to saying. Saints baseball and red carpet in one sentence, Did you think about a different color of carpet? Of course I did, but they kept me away from this whole thing. The only thing I got to do was tour it last night, and boy, they did a great job on it. I mean, that's that's 2,000 square feet with nary a thing missing, which is the nicest thing you can... You can say, and the folks who installed it just did a wonderful job because it, it really pops. It really comes to life. And the, and the thing that's most important is the interactive for the kids so that they realize. And, you know, I think we all, you know, I grew up, I got to St. Paul and I meet Billy Peterson, and here's a guy who's almost 80 years old who coached three Hall of Famers. I mean, this doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to represent the White Sox in the, in a couple of months in Cooperstown when when Harold Baines goes in. That's a huge deal on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. They haven't had anybody since Jimmy Fox, you know, to really talk about. And here in a 17-block radius, you've got yeah. <laughs> Paul Molitor, yes. Winfield, and 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 uh, Jack Morris. And they're all trained by Billy Peterson. So, you know, he was here last night, and that was as special for me as seeing the installations.
4: Five years now here, huh? It, it's gone quick. I, I thought it was about three what is this ballpark meant? And, and this team franchise has been a a great success since it got here. I get that, but what has this ballpark just meant as far as establishing the foundation uh, not only for the past five years but really for years and years to come because this is a this is a baseball palace
0: this is the most I want to thank you. This is the most that 's a wonderful question, and i 'll tell you no one's ever asked me what what it meant it meant acceptance you know years ago when people laughed when we first got here you know i did disco demolition I, I my whole career laughingly called has been dedicated to being laughed at i get that you know but what i always wanted was to combine the great baseball savvy in this area and and to Form a niche in it. If you want to see the best baseball played in the world, you get on, well, not tonight, but you get on the train and you go to, to Target Field. But if you want to have the most fun, not not um, mortgage your house and see um, great minor league baseball, double AA, A, triple A, if the pitching's good, then you come to CHS Field. This meant acceptance. It was a long time coming, and to see kids walk into the ballpark holding hands with their folks in downtown St. Paul. That's what it meant. 98% of this ballpark is indigenous to the state of Minnesota. We went out of state for two things. The the uh, cedar that forms the roof line, you know, the uh, and um, the seats. Nobody in Minnesota makes molded seats. And so we wanted to spend all of our money in Minnesota so that people would really understand that minor league baseball is about community and for the first time, we don't feel like that cute little popcorn yeah. machine. We feel like a real member of this community. I mean, Allianz Field, look at what it's doing. It's four sellouts. It's, it's going to be tremendous for the Midway. And, and that's what this represents to me. This looks at the end of a career like I say, man, we really gave back to all those years at Midway. We were horribly successful. And it was a wonderful thing, and we had a lot of fun. But now I feel like we're providing people with a place to go, with a reason to be in a great downtown and one of my favorites. So acceptance.
1: Did I you guess. ever? Did you ever question if if this was a, a realistic possibility? What we're sitting in today, and, and how how beautiful it is for for the Saint Paul Saints. I,
0: you know I remember the first time I looked at the drawings, and Julie Snow showed me the drawings. And I would have hated them except for the fact that I spent 10 years in the advertising business dealing with architects and I could kind of see it. Because there are people who will tell you, on paper when we first started, they hated this ballpark. They looked at this design and said, you've lost your mind. But I had the ultimate trust in in Julie Snow. because Not because I'm a cool guy, because I was raised by a man and a woman who said... Hire the best, find the best people, and then stay out of their way and let them convince you and And that's kind of how it how this worked. My first choice was over on the river was where the u s bank building is now that was the first one back when Norm Coleman was mayor, and he talked about building a ballpark. And uh, as Marv Goldklang says, foolishly, I, uh, <laughs> I I said let's let the fans vote, and they voted and said no. <laughs> that's always a mistake to so, let the fans uh, vote. So it was a twenty-year it was a twenty-year wait. But but this, you know, it goes down thirty-five feet. My my son walked over here tonight um, from his hotel, and two blocks away, you can't see the ballpark, and that's how it should be because the star should be the neighborhood it should be lower town and this ballpark is understated but it's elegant yeah. you know and you come in and you're like hey somebody was looking at frank lloyd Wright stuff
2: yeah yeah <laughs> mackey and judd with rami here uh, live at chs field leading up to saints home opener mike veck was kind enough to join us here uh to wrap our show and I've been so curious about. I'd love to be in just a preseason brainstorm meeting about because you guys are, you put together theme nights and promotional nights and you've done it for years. What What is that process like? You know, what is the process of coming up with, you know, multiple dozens of fun nights to engage fans and, and bring, you know, 8,000 people to a ballpark?
0: When you're doing a TV show or you're doing a movie, you do a table read. And that's how I equate it. It's like a table read. The difference is, is that. Not everybody's a writer, and not everybody's a producer or an executive producer. Everybody is on an equal playing field. And so it's like improv. There's no such thing as a bad idea. You're not allowed to say no. Yes, and. Exactly. So that you keep developing the idea. So a perfect example is, first of all, Sierra Bailey is the best promo guy I've ever worked with. I was a promo guy for 30 years, 10 years in the big leagues. She's the best I've ever seen and I don't think she's 26 yet. And So she runs it in a way that, mine was always let's say fair and loosey-goosey and she runs it more militaristic because the timing's right and the gags go down so that you get shots of them blocked. But we all sit at a table, you throw out an idea and here's an example. Derek goes, what are you going to do on July twelfth this year, and he's bear baiting me. I know what he's doing. That's the fortieth anniversary of Disco Demolition. So I go, <laughs> well, the White Sox said it didn't happen for thirty nine years. And this year, they were anticipating being so horrible that they decided to give away ten thousand I Survived Disco Demolition shirts. Right. So suddenly, even though they put an asterisk on it, it was a hundred thousand people showed up for a promotion. They they're embarrassed by it. Well, I guess their club's bad enough this year that that. They're not embarrassed anymore. (laughs) So I
3: I go through that whole thing, and I say that to Derek.
0: And Derek goes, what would you do now? And I said, I don't know. I I really don't know. I I still don't care for disco, but now people say it's homophobic, and I was being uh, singling out people. I don't even know what homophobic meant. I was, like, just trying to get people to see the 1979 White Sox, and we were dreadful. We weren't just – we were 20 games out. By the 1st of July, I was a desperate man. What do you mean, Derek? He goes, I'm thinking of something like disco premonition. What's going to happen in 40 years? I said, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. No. No. I'm violating my own rule. No. He goes, I got a 20-foot-in-diameter disco ball. I said... I think it's a great idea, (laughs) and I want to be there. You know, it's the 50th anniversary. You know this is coming. It's the 50th anniversary of the first moonwalk. And I don't mean Michael Jackson. I mean, you know, we land on the moon. It's a great step for mankind. So we're going to have the largest mooning, and I'll leave that to your ever-recorded to celebrate that event. And they just come from it's like wisecracking and they turn they gain a life of themselves. But it proves that if you have really, really good people and people you trust, then everybody should have input because everybody deserves the joy of creativity and the joy um of recognition of it's like my saying about Sierra, I just got a great crew here. Derek Scherer, his father's in town tonight. And his father won't tell you this, but I'll tell you this. Derek has never worked for anyone but us. He's been with me 26 years. I mean, imagine if he had to go out and live in the world.
2: <laughs> well, what would yeah, yeah, We say that about our jobs here, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Functioning exactly in right. the world. Because, because
0: <laughs> there are very few jobs that are magical. But these are magical. People listen to this and they go, man, you just talk. They don't think about the work that goes in. They don't think about the prep. The talk is the easy part. It's the prep that kills you. And it's the same way with promotions. It's coming up with those ideas and affording everybody the respect and the dignity that that idea is worth pursuing.
4: So your your whole thing has been since the day that the Saints started in the early 90s is baseball's fun. Your dad obviously knew that. What is your reaction now to Major League Baseball, which is slowly but surely catching, you know, bat flips now are not seen as the end of the world. They're just sort of it. Uh, as you watch this sport from that sport from the outside, what's your, your view of the fact that baseball is slowly but surely trying to catch up? Because to keep the young fan embracing the game, I think they have to. Now, now you, you and your family have known that for how long? But it seems like MLB is now sort of coming around. To that.
0: Sure, because they're in trouble. You know, they used to not have outfield signs until they looked at the minor leagues and they said, hmm, they can monetize it. The first suite, we're sitting in the equivalent of a suite. We invented it on the south side of Chicago in 1977 because my dad needed $70,000 to sign Chet Lemon, a really good center fielder. And we created the Skybox, and we sold the old Chicago Cardinals press box. And it was just an idea. I was shooting fireworks one night. I saw the reflection in there. I know nobody sat in there. And that's how Skyboxes got invented. So fast forward now. The major leagues are finally looking at minor league baseball, which is where they should go to get the men and the women who have the kind of creativity, who are willing to work 18 hours a day for not very much money, cranking out great idea after great idea. And the major leagues are slowly paying attention to that. The answer always was, if you could monetize it, they would use it. You know, Wrigley was never going to the, the hallowed halls and confines of the greatest horticultural display in the world. Planted by a Vec, I always like to point out to the Ricketts. It wasn't Grandpa Ricketts who came from Nebraska <laughs> and planted the ivy. It was Grandpa Vec who did it to try to survive. But, but I feel Major League Baseball reaching out to the minor leagues for the first time. You want to know about bat flips? they got to let them work in the minor leagues. They should test everything in the minor leagues, and they should regionalize the country just like they do with the scouting and say, okay, everybody, from the Rockies over, you try baseball without umpires. Use lasers that in your line of work, you know they've been around for 15 years. People can do that and shoot across the strike zone. They should test everything. And Major League Baseball would be amazed and how they'd rediscover their sense of humor. Yeah.
2: Mike, I think we've stumbled upon a theme night here, bat flip night. Oh, you, that'd be great. Every player has to flip their bat, even if it's a ground ball to shortstop. You, see, you have to flip your bat. See,
0: now I'm going to do what I've become tremendous at doing. And that is, I'm going to write Bat Flip Night. Yes. I'm going to announce (laughs) loudly tomorrow that I had a brainstorm. (laughs) (laughs) And you will be the last person who will ever get credit for your
2: idea. I don't need credit. I just need a ticket. I
1: know you can't have stands full of people throwing actual bats up in the air, but maybe inflatable bats as a giveaway that night? We did that. Oh, you did?
0: Yes, and we're brought to you by Viagra. Am I allowed to say that? Holy cow at the last minute i said we got them at the gates we're giving them out it's too late <laughs> oh. but imagine this suppose you mumble bat and then left flip so at a certain point, everybody flip everyone off. <laughs> Except the Jehovah's Witnesses. Are all... be careful. I'm yep. Catholic, so I can say that. Yep.
2: <laughs> Mike Beck, thank you so much for joining us thank and for you. having us out here thank today. It was really Really appreciate uh, it. By the way, thank cheap you. plug for Score North, the official scorecard, S-K-O-R, available inside CHS Field. Oh, you I can like support it. Score North and the Saints. Just get your score. Judd. I know this is probably a little you need to maybe get your, your glasses on to oh. properly fill it out. But Judd keeps score at home. He's one of the guys that actually does keep score book at score home. Yeah. I at love home. that.
0: I love that. I don't go to a – anytime I would go visit my son on the south side of Chicago, we had to be there at least 15 minutes before the game so I could get the lineup in. Yeah. Right, slow. And all you got to do is get this to know how to score. Yep. Hey, you can score. Exactly right. (laughs)
2: Mike Vec, the St. Paul Saints home opener tonight, CHS Field and the grand opening of the City of Baseball Museum. You can find the Mackie and Jump with Rami podcast. On scorenorth.com, the scorenorth mobile app, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Write that down. Predictions sure to go wrong tomorrow. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. 22 hours. 22, 22 hours. It's 22 hours. I'm an idiot. Yep. This view was worth a hike.
3: Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health.
4: Yes, I'm Coligard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer?
3: Not yet.
4: Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Coligard is non-invasive and it's used at home. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Colagard is right for you, or visit colagard.com.
3: I'm in.